Welcome to Camden. In this podcast, we follow Detective Matthew Goodman and his routine investigations into the paranormal surrounding the town of Camden, Maine. I cannot prove that any of this is true, but I also cannot definitively say that it is not, in fact, possible. Episode 4 The Dream. Taking witness accounts, it's, let's just say it's tedious, to say the least. You get all kinds of people walking into the precinct looking to put their stories to record or to have some proof of their existence in writing. Some people come to report a crime. Some report missing pets or people, and some will, they just want to talk about something. Oftentimes, we, we have to indulge them because you never know when something might actually lead to a crime. Or, and in those cases, we consider ourselves lucky to have somehow struck gold out of thin air. I say striking gold because this happens once out of every thousand statements that walk in here. If I'm being honest, most of them are not of any consequence to me and... I'd rather be sitting in my office watching videos online or listening to an audiobook, but one person intrigued me. And I felt I needed to put this in a recording because honestly, it's... I mean, it, it's a trip. A woman named Ashley Bush walked into my office. She seemed like she was holding something inside that needed to be freed. She clearly had a story to tell. I had finished lunch and I'd walked out of my door and when I ran into her. She couldn't have been more than early 30s with blonde hair, blue eyes, and a very neutral expression, I guess I would describe it. She, she seemed upset, but also there was a look of confusion and uncertainty that I couldn't quite assess. She told me she needed to talk to someone and was told that I could help her out and I had confirmed that we could speak in my office, and I let her in. She declined any kind of hospitality and said that all she wanted to do was report her concerns to record. And I told her this was fine with me. As I took out my pen and paper, she informed me that I should be warned that this might seem... supernatural. <laughs> I chuckled a bit, and I told her that at this point, Precinct, that was pretty much my job. Supernatural homicide, I, I believe I referred to it as. She gained a small smile from this, and it was really clear that she was quite a beautiful woman. Her neutral expression returned when she again realized that she'd have to tell me the story. It was about her family. They hadn't been acting like themselves. Her husband was often gone on long trips, but had been back recently and they'd been planning a vacation to see some family in Chicago with her three kids. He had gone on a small errand with the children and this had given time for her to do some planning for herself and make sure that everything would be complete and supplied for the trip. This was not uncommon and nothing had bothered her up to this point. What had bothered her was the return of the family. Upon returning, she described their behavior as almost bionic, that they often were forgetful of things that had until shortly ago been common knowledge. They would treat normal everyday tasks like they'd never seen them before. 
oftentimes this would only last for short durations, so she just put it in her mind that everyone had been suffering from life fatigue, you know, we all get it, and everything would be better once they managed to make it finally to their vacation. Vacation time eventually came, and there were no hiccups, everything seemed to be running smoothly. Ashley began to believe that she had made the whole thing up in her head. Maybe she was the one suffering from fatigue, she said. They'd planned a day on Lake Michigan and were going to do some swimming and sunning. Everyone seemed excited. She had found a great spot to lay down towels and everyone laid out their supplies and got ready for a swim. She stopped and looked at me and told me that this is where things began to not add up. She had mentioned how she was putting sunscreen on her daughter Layla when she noticed a substantial mark on her side. It appeared to be almost like a bruise, but it was more of a green than blue. She'd asked her if it hurt, and Layla seemed unaffected. H- hadn't even noticed its existence. She began to look at her husband and the other two children and noticed the same kind of bruising. All of the other members had said it was nothing. People get bruised all the time and never notice it. It can, it can happen when lifting or just bumping around. So she thought nothing of it, and decided to try and relax under an umbrella and try to finally calm her nerves. James, her husband, was always good with the kids, she said. She had figured that they would love getting to wrestle around the water and just play the day away. It had started this way when they went in, but it wasn't long before it looked like they were just slowing down, and eventually all four of them stood perfectly still. She figured maybe one of them saw a fish, that maybe someone was hurt. She figured James can handle it, but it just kept going on. No real motion. Suddenly, James looked at her and saw that she was staring at him, and they began to play again. It seemed unnerving first, but before long, they were back to having fun, and she felt like she could relax again. She was now shaking a slight bit, as she told the story and looked like she was having trouble getting the words out. I, I think it must have dozed off, she said as she recounted a dream that took place at the same beach. Everything was as it had normally been on the beach, except when she gathered sight of her husband and her children, they were not them. They were silhouetted against the ocean, but they had a slight amber glow to their eyes, and the forms they took did not look like any human she had ever seen. She described a dark, amoeba-esque blob that seemed to be feeding off of the water where her kids had played, soaking up the nutrients, unaware of being watched. Ashley was having a hard time getting words out at this point, and I assured her that she was safe here. She seemed minorly calmed by this, and she continued her account. She couldn't stop staring at the forms, yet she was worried that she'd be found out if she'd been caught noticing the change. She blinked, and at this, the forms had returned to that of James and the children. She was unsure of what she had just seen. Was she dreaming? She had laid back down and began to read suddenly realized there was a shadow cast over her book. When she looked up, she was confronted by James, but it wasn't James. 
It was the amoeba version of James. She screamed, attempted to get away, but once it touched her, it attached itself and reeled her back towards it. She became slowly absorbed into the creature. She slowly felt herself being turned to nutrients. At this point, she was woken by James. He told her that she'd been screaming, so he came to check on her. She stared around. The sun was back, the waves were calm, and there were no signs of amoebas to be seen. She said it was nothing, just a dream. And James returned to the kids in the water. She then recounted receiving a phone call. It was from a number that she didn't recognize, but she decided to answer it anyway. There's a lot of static, but as she continued to say hello, she was met with a large echoey voice. I'll play the audio for you at the end, but the voice said, not me, Ashley, not us. Run. She told me that she, she had recognized James's voice and kept calling his name on the phone with no response. I've never heard anything like it before. She said the call cut out and a single tear ran down her cheek as she held back the fear. Can't say I blame her at all. She looked up from her phone at James and the kids. They looked so normal. She kept examining them, trying to find any flaw that might confirm her suspicion. James had been playing with the girls when she suddenly got a glimpse of his back. The bruise, she said, that she had witnessed earlier was not only growing, but it was moving. As she was drawn into this, she tells me James suddenly turned his head and noticed that she was staring directly at him. He had been smiling the entire time, but the smile when he had turned was a friendly smile. Once he realized that he had been caught in the act of transitioning, the smile became evil, almost mocking her. Suddenly the bruise was gone. She dropped her phone, and when confronted with James and the kids, she had tried her best to go back to pretending that there was nothing wrong. She had no choice. She told me that to this day, she has no idea what happened. What, she, what could she even do about it? She tried to live normally with the creatures possibly living in her house, but she is convinced that they are not her real family anymore. She's received calls from the number again, but she's let them go to voicemail. Like I said, I have copies of these, and I'll play them at the end, but it does match audio samples gathered from James' various projects. It seems like it would make no sense for someone to play a prank like this on Ashley. I reached out to Ashley, and for a while I, I feared that I had lost her to whatever that thing was. Whatever those things are. About a month later, I, I finally managed to get through, and asked to meet so we could go over things. I mainly wanted to get her out of that house and away from that family. She had met me in my office and things seemed pretty normal on the surface. 
she'd remembered telling me the story and remembered the events, but she had told me that it had been a prank perpetrated by her husband. It's not a very funny one, but that things had returned to normal. She played a lot with her hands while saying this, and I'm just a detective and I notice these things, but I don't mean general anxiety. It's more like the kind of playing one might do if they forgot what hands were or what they were supposed to do while one was talking. I showed her out. As I left, I grabbed her hand. She turned to face me. She looked back at me and her face showed a look of unease and deeply hidden fright, but I could see her eyes. There was an amber glint to them. I began to discreetly reach for my gun, but as she closed her eyes and reopened them, they returned to their sky-blue tone. I told her to take care of herself and to return to me if she needed anything. That was two months ago. I haven't seen her since. All I know is that the message was not telling Ashley to run. to Camden, a supernatural horror podcast written and performed by Jay Adante. Stay tuned for more episodes, and as always, thank you for listening. <laughs>